from Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judah, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judah, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. I don't know if you saw the story a little while ago, just before the queen died. She was visiting Balmoral Castle and estate and walking the grounds, as was her habit, uh, after a picnic that she had had, and she was escorted by her personal bodyguard, a man by the name of Richard Griffin. And there were two American tourists who were on a walking holiday who got into the Balmoral grounds. And they came up to the queen who had, you know that picture of the queen when she has that thing on her head tied tight, so she's a little bit less recognizable. And they didn't recognize, shame, they, they were Americans. <laughs> Any Americans here? Oh, good. Um, and they tried to, they didn't know who she was, and, but they came across them and they started chatting and they said to her, where do you live? Oh, I live in London, she said, but I have a holiday home just on the other side of these hills. How long have you been coming here, they asked. Oh, over 80 years, she said. Oh, but by now you must have met the queen. <coughs> and uh, she said, she was known for her sense of humor. She said, no, I haven't, but he has, speaking about her bodyguard. <laughs> Would you believe it? They gave the queen their phone and asked her to take a photograph of the bodyguard with them. <laughs> because they met somebody who had met the queen. 
can you imagine going home and showing their friends their holiday pics and uh, trying to explain? Well, there's some encouragement for us. Um, maybe you forget somebody's name from time to time or somebody's face from time to time. I've noticed this happens, especially after the age of 50. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but um, we're not guilty of forgetting who the queen is, are we, or who the king is? And yet forgetting who the king is does seem like a rather common thing when it comes to the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the reading that Lauren read for us describes the early life of Jesus, and it gives us two responses to Jesus. This morning, I want us to look at those two responses very briefly. There is a king, King Herod is his name. Uh, he has a surprisingly contemporary response to Jesus. He'll do anything to cling to his own throne. And then there are some magi, um, who become wise, worshipping somebody else's king. The Magi came from Iran. I'm, I'm told we have some Iranians with us this morning. Do we? They haven't come. Oh, we do. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. And there are three of you. Uh, three wise men from Iran. It's lovely to have you with us. Welcome. Um, so we've got uh, the wise men, the magi, um, who become wise. Um, I've summarized Herod's response with three Ds. Uh, Herod is disturbed, Herod is dishonest, and Herod is disobedient. Now let's remember who he was. He was, he was the king of the Jews, but he was a puppet king, wasn't he? For he was under the overlords of the Romans. He had some influence, but he had a short leash around his neck. Um, he was very self-important. He was an awful man, apparently. And the news of Jesus' birth has a very interesting effect on him. Verse 3 of our passage says, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. He was one of those kings that when he was disturbed, you better be disturbed as well. Because he would allow his emotions to rule him and rule those under him. You know, it's an interesting thing, isn't it, that Jesus often disturbs people. I wonder if you've noticed that. Why is it that baby Jesus disturbs Herod so much? Surely a baby is the most inoffensive thing in all the world. But it is because he is called a king. Verse 2 says, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? The Magi ask Herod. Herod knew there could only be one king. He had forgotten the great Old Testament promises that talk of a Jewish king to be born in Bethlehem. For example, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Jesus stands in the great line of King David. King David was Israel's Nelson Mandela. He was the, the father of the nation. Under King David, the boundaries of Israel were extended to their furthest geopolitically that they have ever been, including up to and including today. 
Although he grew up in Nazareth, he was born in Bethlehem in order to fulfill the Micah prophecy, a very significant piece of the identikit for the Messiah is that he would be born in Bethlehem. Herod had forgotten the promises of the coming one who would be called the Christ, who would be the ruler and the shepherd of God's people, the Jews. Herod can't have that. He's the king. He won't tolerate any rivals. It's very important for us to recognize that on Christmas Day, it's about much more than the birth of a baby. It is about the coming of a kingdom. The birth of the baby heralds the coming of a new kingdom, a new order, a new era. And of course, when a new kingdom arrives, it results in a clash of kingdoms. And there is going to be conflict, there is going to be trouble, for none of us want to give up our throne. That's true for King Herod, and it's true for us. If I'm pretending to be the king, and you're pretending to be the king, and we meet, who's going to be the king? It'll be the one with the quickest wit, or the sharpest tongue, or the biggest biceps. And it starts from a very young age. We cling to our independence. We will not yield to any other king. I wonder if that's a description of you. You are the ruler of your life. It's your life. Nobody tells you what to do. Christmas is the news that another king has been born. A king who makes a claim on us. A king who demands a response from us. And so Herod is disturbed. But secondly, Herod is dishonest. Look at verse 7. Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. That it, you know, Herod has a very modern response to Jesus. He pretends to pay homage. I want to pay homage to Jesus. Many people do it. They send their children to Sunday school because it, you know, Jesus is good for the kids. Or they say that they live by the golden rule. Or they say that they live by the Ten Commandments. They live how they went the whole year. And then they come to Christmas or to Easter to show that in some way they are associated with Jesus. I want to say to you today with respect that that is actually just dishonest. They won't, Herod won't have Jesus rule him. And so he pretends to pay homage to Jesus. It strikes me that it's still easy in our country, not in every country, certainly not in Iran, but in our country it's not a difficult thing to still claim to be a follower of Jesus. It's an easy thing to do. It doesn't cost us much to do it here. And so many people claim that but don't actually mean anything by it. Maybe they celebrate Christmas, they enjoy the holidays and the fun and the family and the food. But deep down, they're being dishonest towards Jesus. Maybe that describes you this morning. You want Jesus on your terms, as long as he doesn't disrupt any of my plans or my life or disagree with my lifestyle choices, then I won't mind too much. Thirdly, he's disobedient. Look at verse 16, dreadful verses. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. 
and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned Magi. It is interesting that, and, and it's even fitting, isn't it, that the beginning of Jesus' life, that there was a shadow of death over him, for that is how his life would end as well. His life is bracketed by death, the shadow of death. Instead of ascending a throne at the end of his life, he ascends the cross. And so instead of submitting to Jesus, Herod seeks to eliminate Jesus, to murder the infant king. Herod is here a picture of someone who opposes the purposes of God. Can you think of somebody else in the Bible story who killed infants? goes right back, doesn't it, to Pharaoh in the story of Exodus when he had the Jewish boys under the age of two thrown into the river Nile. Um, Herod, as well as Pharaoh, they represent everything that stands against God in the world, everything that is opposed to God. He's a symbol of evil, standing against the kingdom of God and the purposes of God and the king of God. Friends, Christmas is another reminder to us that God has got a plan for this world. His plans will come to fulfillment. They will not be thwarted, though many have tried. His plan is that he sent his son to die for us and to lead us as our king. And although many are indifferent towards Jesus, no one is neutral about him. Indifference is not the same thing as being neutral. If you haven't accepted him, then you have rejected him. You oppose him. And can I say to you, friends, that we are, if we oppose Jesus, we are culpable for that. So please don't think that you're just being neutral about Jesus. You accept him or you oppose him. And then the response of the Magi is so different to the response um, of Herod. And the three responses are they are convinced, they are confused, and they are contrite. Let's have a look at those quickly. The wise men were non-Jewish religious astrologers. Um, they might have been wise, but they weren't punctual. They didn't actually arrive with the shepherds, as our Christmas cards and nativity scenes show us. Jesus was already a few months old before they arrived. Um, they were a group of pagan tourists who were convinced that a king born in a foreign nation was someone whose kingship extended to them. Is that not a remarkable thing? They understood that the king of the Jews was actually the king of the world and their king, and that they needed to come and worship him. You know, that kind of knowledge can only come by revelation from God. And the contrast is deliberate in Matthew chapter 2 between their response to the news of Jesus and Herod's response. They also were rulers. They also were noble men. And yet there is something that they get that Herod misses. They accept that Jesus was relevant to their lives and that he has a claim on them. It's quite an ironic thing, isn't it? The king of the Jews, Herod, doesn't recognize the true king of the Jews. And these Gentile pagan rulers, 
Well, they want to worship the king of the Jews. But secondly, they are confused. Look at verse 2. They come to King Herod in the palace in Jerusalem and say, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Surely he would be born in the capital city. Surely he would be on Discovery's classic comprehensive plan and have his own ward in the mediclinic in Jerusalem. That's why they come to Jerusalem. That's why they come to the palace. It's a very confusing thing to them. They expected the entire nation of Israel to have known about it and to have celebrated it. Instead, Herod and all Jerusalem are disturbed by the news, verse 3. So they are confused. Who is this king not recognized by his own people? Born in a stable, laid in an animal trough. What kind of king is Jesus? It's a good question, that. Jesus' birth was humiliating. God orchestrated the birth of Jesus under the most humiliating of circumstances, which is a fitting beginning to his life, for his life would end in abject humiliation on the cross. Stripped naked, crucified like a common criminal amongst other criminals, But worse than that, with the sins of the world packed onto his shoulders. All of the shame and all of the guilt that you and I bear was put onto him. Humiliation. Jesus turns the world's ideas about what or who is important and powerful on its head. The king of heaven, born as a rejected refugee, It should humble us. And you know, it should also comfort us because it means that Jesus is for everybody, not just for good people, not just for upper-class people, not just for the ruling class, but he's come for everybody. And then the word contrite is a bit of a silly word, but I needed another C. And you'll see it in verse um, 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him, and opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts. What a wonderful response this is to Jesus. These sorcerer kings from another country followed a star until they found Jesus, and recognizing that his kingship was over them, they worshipped him. That's the right response of Christmas, is to worship Jesus. Over time, countless others have come to love and worship Jesus. When they see him, they recognize him as their king. They treat him as their king, despite the fact that he was a helpless baby. Contritely, they submit themselves to him and pay homage to him. And in verse 12, they even take risks for him. Because having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. If they had been caught, they would have been killed. They truly are wise men, aren't they? For their response to Jesus is the correct response. As I close this morning, can I ask you, how are you going to respond to Jesus this Christmas? Will you be Herod or will you be the Magi? You may not want to kill Jesus. That's a bit extreme. But you do ignore him, maybe. You live as though he doesn't exist. 
He disturbs you. Maybe you've been dishonest about him, disobedient. Maybe you respect him. Maybe you do think he has a role to play in the world, just not in your heart and in your life. <coughs> Can I ask you this Christmas, don't ignore him. He's not like any other human king. He's a king you want to be ruled by, for he's a king that requires nothing from you, but instead has given everything for you, for he did not even hold back his own life. He will save his people from their sins.